charge it. Maybe it sneaks up on you and you don't realize it until the backlight dims. Maybe you don't notice it until you're down to 10% and you end up searching frantically for that charger. Because if you don't find one, you realize it's useless. You can't make a call. You can't look things up. It's just sitting there. Do we sometimes feel like our backlight has dimmed? Are we only giving 10% of ourselves? Or are we just shutting down and sitting in the pews? Another definition of a replenish, or another definition of recharge is replenish. So I think about bodybuilders. They can lift weights. They can, they can lift it heavier and heavier. But if they don't get the adequate rest or the adequate fuel, they're not going to succeed. They won't. They have to recharge after every workout session with enough calories to sustain them and then get back to lifting again. But on the flip side, they can't just eat 4,000 calories, sit on the couch, and expect to grow their muscles. You can't, they can't meet their goals, and they can't get stronger if they just sit. It requires action. As Christians, do we start off strong, doing and going hard for the Lord, but don't replenish our energy Don't allow ourselves to be fed with God's word properly. Don't rest in the company and fellowship of our brothers and sisters. Do we forget to focus on why we're serving and see the joy that we're bringing others, ourselves, and God? All that can lead to burnout. My favorite definition of recharge, though, is regain energy or spirit or to make a new attack. My mind goes straight to competitions. Our family is very much into jiu-jitsu and wrestling, so I think about jiu-jitsu. <clears throat> when you're in a jiu-jitsu match, you scramble to get that takedown, to get on top, and then stay on top so you can submit your opponent. Sometimes when you take that shot, when you go in for that takedown, you miss. You have to take a step back and reconsider your approach. But you have to get back in that game. You have to be strong, you have to see an opening, and your adrenaline starts pumping. It's your body's way of recharging you. You're ready for that takedown. You see your new plan of attack, and you go for it. Sisters, sometimes we need to take a step back. We need to look into our lives and take notice if we're on autopilot, if we're stagnant, or if we're completely drained. We need to get excited again. We need to show those around us that we have joy and that we are workers for the Lord. We can... Are we? We can just sit in the pews and be fed, but we can't expect to grow. Knowledge is great, but knowledge without action is meaningless. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. So I don't know about you ladies, but I love, 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 love ladies' days. I love lectureships. I have looked forward to the past few weeks for several months now, even more than ever before. Getting to come up to lectureship and retreat was such a blessing and is a blessing to me. It's exciting to get to dig into God's word together. I love hearing about and sharing in all your lives. I get uplifted as we study together. I am filled to the brim when we sing together. And it's so wonderful to learn together knowing that God's word never changes. In fact, my family and I got to stay or got in on Wednesday before lectureship. At 3.30 in the morning, thank you, Ben and Tracy. <laughs> By the time we got to bed, it was about 4.30 in the morning, which is about 8.30 a lot, uh, Florida time. 
with no sleep on the plane, you'd think I'd sleep in. I was up by 7.15. <laughs> and each morning after that, I was up by 5. And we didn't get to bed until at least 11. But I was wired, ladies. I was 100% charged. I had more energy than I can remember ever having. I was talking with everyone, loving on everyone, and being fed such great lessons all weekend long. But sadly, and I'm probably not alone in this, I dread leaving here. I feel safe here. I feel protected. I'm around my sisters. It's so easy to be kind and loving and considerate and engaging and serving and purposeful when I'm around you ladies. You ladies bring out the best in me. It's easy to have a great attitude when I know everyone here has my best interest at heart. But the world is outside those doors. And I hate to admit it, but as soon as I walk out with all the good intentions I have, I may crawl back into my old habits. I may have felt recharged, but the world quickly zaps my batteries. My vision was cleared listening to the sermons and the lessons this last few weeks, but how quickly it gets hazy again. Old habits, fatigue, resentment, they all may start settling back into my heart. What if I don't recognize it? What if it creeps in so slowly that I have no idea it's taking hold? So I have a dear friend who lives alone, and she is a wonderful housekeeper. You walk into her home, it's pristine, never a single thing out of place. This sweet sister years ago had to have cataract surgery. She came home from surgery seeing better than she had in years. She, hadn't, she didn't have a clue how dull her vision had become until after the surgery, and she was able to see the difference, literally. The first thing she noticed when she got home was the dust in her house. She was mortified, and she asked some of us ladies why we didn't tell her how dusty her house was. She couldn't see it prior to the surgery. What if our spiritual sight wasn't 2020? Would we notice the dust, um, dust slowly building up? Would we brave, be brave enough to ask? Would we be brave enough to tell our sisters that they're getting a little dusty? How would you react if your sister came to you and let you know that you have some dust on your shoulders? How many of us walk out of a Sunday morning worship smiling, reflecting, promising to make changes because a sermon stepped on our toes, only to go home and lose our focus as quickly as if a contact lens popped out? The kids start fighting, and maybe those promises to yourself about being patient goes right out the window. Or you sit down and pay bills, and you get frustrated because of a yet another wrong statement. You call the company angry, screaming, instead of calling with understanding and compassion. What about the, the tired old routine of cooking dinner? You don't see anyone recognizing your hard work. You cook their favorite meal yet again, and they don't say thank you. Maybe they're not in the habit of it, and you start serving with resentment instead of finding the joy that you have a family to serve, and that our service to them is just as important, or even more so, than to others. Or what about Mount Washmore, the never-ending story of laundry? We end up tackling our household chores before the day is over because Monday is just a wake-up away, and the same routine starts all over again. We go to bed feeling guilty because we didn't spend time with our families like we promised we would. 
We didn't have quality time with our spouses. Instead, we were getting them ready to work all week. Or maybe you're not married. Maybe instead you've left the safety of the walls and went back into the world. Friends that have an influence on you also ha- are, that you have influences on also have an influence on you. It's not bad influence necessarily, but they keep you busy. They keep you occupied. What about work? You have deadlines to meet. You need them so that you can move up the ladder. It's a wonderful goal, but it shouldn't be our only goal. What about that newest show that was the entire season was released all at once and you have to watch them before someone spoils it for you on Facebook? Or those phone calls, those texts, those letters? Well, they'll just have to wait. We'll get to them eventually. We fall into bed exhausted, not taking time to talk to the Lord. We're short-sighted people. Our attention span is about 20 seconds long. An hour after the sermon, we can't even think of one point the preacher said. We know he made good points because we remember it's stepping on our toes. But for the life of us, we can't quote a single thing he said. We have created a habit of going to church rather than being the church. We've created a habit of loving the Lord in words, but not in deed. A few years ago, a sweet sister posted something on Facebook, and I asked if if I could share it with you. God will not compete with the busyness of or the distractions in your life. Our relationship with our Lord is deepened and strengthened in the pursuit of him. We have a choice to make. Are we going to pursue the Lord and his dreams for us? Or will we go away this week and go back to our normal, unfocused lives? If we walk away from here and go back to our busy lives without God as the center of our focus, our vision will suffer. It may not be overnight, but one day you'll wake up not being able to see straight the path that God wants us on. However, if we walk away from here refocused, renewed, recharged, we can set new goals, we can create new habits, and we can keep clear-sighted. After all, what will a blurred vision cost us? Will it cost us our joy? Will we forget what our end goal is and that we can find joy in all we do? Our joy is having confidence that God is in control. Things may happen while we're on this side of heaven, but we have a promise that no one can take away from us. A promise of a home in heaven someday. Christ gave us the ultimate example that we can still choose joy even in the hardest times. Hebrews 12.2 says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right side, right hand of the throne of God. Jesus found joy in the cross, knowing it meant we, sisters, that's you, can join him for eternity. How can we not find joy in life, knowing no matter how bad we have it, or how amazing our lives are here, Heaven is going to be so much more amazing, so much more great. That's not word, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and it's going to be so worth it. First Peter 1.4, we're told about our inheritance being imperishable. Never do we have to worry about heaven being corrupted or spoiled. Rather, we know it will be permanent. Our inheritance will be undefiled, and there will be no sin, no evil. Rather, heaven will be pure flawless, and holy. Our inheritance will be unfading, meaning we don't have to worry about a time limit. It won't diminish. We have all eternity, 
all the time we could ever imagine and more to be in heaven with our Father and with each other. Let's recharge our attitude. Let's find joy and keep it. If we don't recharge, what is it going to cost our husbands? Our, habit, our attitudes can affect our husbands, good or bad. I don't know about you, but when my husband is in a good mood, so am I. When something's upsetting him, it's hard to be happy. And I know I have the same effect on him. If we aren't excited to serve, it's going to be hard hard for our husbands to be excited. If we don't lift our husbands up to lead, he may not have that desire. We can help set the tone in our home. We are called to be equally yoked to our spouse. If we aren't walking with him, he's having to do more than his share. It could lead to exhaustion and eventually disinterest. As a recharged wife, we get to be contagious. One night, I woke myself up laughing hysterically. I mean, dead sleep, 2 a.m., I am wide awake, and I'm crying because I'm laughing so hard. Of course, that wakes up Sai. He starts chuckling. What, what's so funny? And I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, and I'm just laughing. After about 20 minutes, I gave up, and I just, I'm crying, and he's laughing his butt off with me. <laughs> he had no idea why he was laughing. But it didn't matter. We were laughing together for at least 20 minutes. Our faith and excitement can be that contagious. It can make someone want to join in. Our attitude of loving our Lord, being faithful servants, and being the voice for our Father can be as contagious as well. God has a plan for us to work together. In Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. As a recharged wife, we can be just as God designed for us to be. What will being drained cost our children? Will they see a mom that seems to resent her walk? Will they see that she has no interest in working side by side with her brothers and sisters? Proverbs 22.6 says, To train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. We need to be actively teaching our children, and that includes action. I know as a parent, we outgrow certain jobs in churches, but retirement from those jobs should free us up for others. I've been told we all have seasons, and just as seasons change, so do I. So do you. We learn, we grow, we have changing responsibilities as we age. Maybe you don't have the energy to keep up with crater roll anymore, but sitting with someone and studying, that's something you have time for now. Maybe you can't stay for the whole work party cleaning up the building, but you can sign up for a few hours. There are always phone calls that can be made and letters to to be written. There is so much we could be doing. Let's be the example of joyful attitude of service to our children. We need to get creative. We can think outside the box. Get out of our comfort zone. One of the best things we did as a family was in Nikiski, was go to the Heritage Home and sing once a month. It taught our kids compassion. I should say, it's a senior home. It's for shut-ins. And it taught our kids compassion. It taught them how to interact with our older generations in all walks of life. They learned how to love them, even the ones that couldn't talk back. They learned how to interact with those that may not know what they're even saying. They learned how to just hold hands with those that thought that they were loved ones from their past life. It didn't upset my children. Rather, they found joy being there for them. 
if we not only set the example of how they should walk, but have them join in, we will not only have the reward ourselves, but teach our children the greatest rewards for themselves. John says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. That's in 3 John 1.4. I have to say, having four children that love our Father is truly a joy. It makes me breathe easier. As a mom, I count my children successful if they walk with the Christ. Not how much money they make, not what career they choose. Doesn't matter. Their walk does. Our life's walk with our Lord and how we shine our light, that's what we count as success. And remember, you don't have to have children yourself to be that example. In every congregation we have been blessed to be a part of, we have found parents. We have four sets in, had four sets in Alaska alone. There is no way we could ever set a price on how much those people have meant to us how much they've taught us, how much they've loved us, and how much they have, have taken care of our children. The children around you are watching you. They watch how you behave in certain, certain circumstances. They know if you feel that they are a burden or that VBS is, is too uh, hard. Those church kids are our future. They know when you don't want to teach them in Bible class. Why would want, they want to be there if you don't? They feel it when we don't show them patience and grace when they act up in services. They deserve investment, love, and time. Let's show up for them. Be an honorary sister, aunt, or grandma to them. How can our friendships be affected if we have weak eyes? Will I be too busy and self-absorbed and I don't see the pain that they need Christ? A friend that looks for faults and holds it against them instead of loving them through their hard times. Proverbs has so much, so much amazing advice when it comes to uh, friendships. Proverbs seventeen seventeen: A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for advers- adversity. Let's be the friends that love each other through thick and thin. Proverbs eighteen twenty four: A man of many companions may come to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. I want to be that friend. I want to be there to lift my brothers and sisters up. I want to be there for my brothers and sisters, like in Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart clad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. But if I'm not in God's word, how can I be of good counsel? As a friend, we can be just as much an example to them as we are our spouses and children. We can spur them on to good works. We can have a companion that helps keep us accountable. Let's value our friendships and let's show them how much we mean to each other. Our friends deserve to have us charged and ready to go. I truly believe when you are contagious, they will have the energy to keep up with you. We can gain so much by being a good friend. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, So one man sharpens another. Let's sharpen each other, sisters. What is the cost of drained spiritual life to your work life? Your co-workers? Your boss? Are you working hard enough just to get by? Are you working for your boss? Or are you working for the Lord? Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men, 
Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So whether you have the best of bosses, the greatest of co-workers, or they're difficult to be around, our attitude should still be the same. We're working for the Lord. We don't need to be looking to our bosses and co-bosses, our co-workers to set the bar. God has already set it. Let's seek to make him proud. You could have... You could be a great influence, greater than you know. As we portray a loving attitude in all situations, we are shining our light. Matthew 5.16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We have an opportunity to give glory to all things to our Father. Let's take advantage of that opportunity. What is the cost of dull vision to our congregation? Are we leaving the work to just a few? Do we truly understand we are all called to the purpose? Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of ages. This isn't a job for the preacher's or the elders, or the deacons alone. We need to be making disciples. We need to be working for Christ. When we sing to one another, are we singing with blank eyes, expressionless, or are we singing with thankfulness in our hearts to God? As a young Christian, my favorite person to stand by was a sweet sister named Joan Brown in Tennessee. I honestly can't tell you if she had a beautiful voice or if she sang out of tune. But what I can tell you, every time I looked at her singing, she was the most beautiful woman to behold. (laughs) Her face beamed with excitement. Her tears of joy or sadness streamed down her face. But she always vibrated with joy. She taught me to really sing, to really listen, and to really mean the words that I sung. We never had a conversation about singing, but she taught me. Do we stick around in fellowship, or do we dart out that door as soon as the last amen is said? How can we see the needs to our brethren if we aren't fellowshipping? There are so many things we can do together as a congregation to ease each other's burdens. If we are unfocused, we aren't able to see well enough to teach and admonish one another. We are in this together, sisters. We need to be awake. We need to be recharged so we can fully support one another. But most importantly, what is the cost to our Father in heaven if we aren't recharged? God went to great lengths to show us just how much he wants us for his children. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He isn't giving up on us. So we shouldn't be giving up on ourselves. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to, re- uh, to reach repentance. God may be patient with us, but I can only imagine how painful it is to him when we are not on fire for him anymore. Not to mention, God is counting on us to reach the lost souls. It is a great cost to God if we're not being active in our walk. So as you can see, our attitude, our walk, 
And whether or not we are recharged, ready to face the world, ready to fight for the Lord, can and does affect every aspect of our lives. We can join the race. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We get our strength and endurance through Jesus. He has seen fit to give us sisters to cheer us on. He has given us family to nurture us and for us to nurture them. Our Father is expecting us to join that race. We need to have just as much confidence in ourselves as God does have in us, If we are told to lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us, it means it's possible to do so. If we are told to run with endurance, we can not only do it, but we can succeed. I had a little bit of fun looking up synonyms for endurance. So, not changing the Bible, but let's just read what these different things, synonyms, sound like. What if we read it as, let us run with courage. Let us run with perseverance. Let us run with stamina. Or my favorite, let us run with moxie. It's a purposeful run. It's an active run. It's not like an idle car where we are running but not going anywhere. It's just burning gas with no purpose. Verse 2 tells us our purpose of the race is Jesus. He not only took on our sin and endured the cross, but he did it with joy. He showed us true love. Our faith grows stronger knowing that our God and Father in heaven and Christ sacrificed for us. That knowledge should be our motivation to be pleasing. It should be our motivation to not only be a good person, but one after God's heart. We have an end goal, heaven. Sometimes the price of not seeing clearly is steep. It's our salvation. This is why we need to stay recharged. We don't let the batteries die in our cell phones. We need to be even more vigilant in our own life. We need to keep charged. We need to make sure we surround ourselves with brothers and sisters that are recharging us and we're recharging them. Sisters, I want to thank you. Thank you for being an example to me and my family. Thank you for being here for this weekend. I truly hope that the time we spent together this weekend has been as big of a blessing to you guys as it has been to me. First, we looked at refocus, how easy it is to lose focus and to not even recognize that our vision is dimmed. Then we talked about creating new habits so that we could renew our relationship with God and those around us. I hope you can quickly see how those habits become a part of who you are and then your character is stronger with them. Last, we talked about recharging ourselves. That in order to recharge, we need to be purposeful. We need to recognize that we need to be recharged and that it, it is part of our everyday lives. Each little part of our lives affects the other. Recharging is more than just taking in food by sitting in the pews. We need to grow. We need to work. We need to move. We need to be active. During the past year, I heard, sorry, ladies. (laughs) I heard brave, courageous, beautiful, faithful, and inspiring more than ever in my Christian walk. From the moment I was diagnosed, I was going to give God that glory 
Because if I got rid of this horrible disease, I got to be with you guys. I got to be his spokesman. But if not, I get to go home. Satan wants to rule with us. He wants to rule over us. We need recharge, sisters. We need to set up that shot again. We need to get that final takedown. We need to step back and focus on the big picture and go after it. We need to be active so that we can use every single calorie that we take in. We need to be purposeful so when we are called home, we can hear the words, My daughter, you are brave, you are courageous, you are beautiful, you are faithful and inspiring. Well done. I love you all.